Hey, friend. Thanks for joining me today on This is Sober. I'm your host, Molly Desch. I imagine you're here because you have an interest in sobriety, and I'm so glad to have you. On This is Sober, you'll have a front row seat to my healing journey through sobriety. So grab a cozy blanket and a cup of tea, and let's dive into the warmth of This is Sober. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know when I first quit drinking, I had no idea how to do it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I even Googled it. And of course, I Google shit all the time, like, why is my dishwasher leaving my dishes body? Or how about five-minute activities for solo adults? Isn't it curious how we turn to a computer almost every time we need help with something? I hear from fans all the time, I found you on Google. I don't know why I didn't Google how to get sober, but I didn't. Because I thought it was rehab or AA. Like, those were the choices, right? I had never heard of the term sober coach, or didn't realize there were sobriety apps or Facebook groups or any of the amazing resources that are out there. I guess when you think you know the answer to your question, you just assume that's the answer, right? Like, if I knew the reasons why my dishwasher was leaving spots on my dishes was because it was either the heating element or I needed to start using Rinse-Aid, then I probably wouldn't have Googled it. I would have just bought some Rinse-Aid or opened the damn thing up and checked the heating element. Anyways, I didn't Google how to get sober. I called my mom. Not because my mom's an expert on quitting drinking, but what are moms good for? Moms fix things. They let us cry, they tell us everything's going to be okay, and they tell us what we need to do to fix our problems. I was 38 years old, divorced, less than six months, with two adolescent boys. I mean, They were 9 and 13. One would think I was a grown-ass woman. I mean, I was, but I wasn't. I called my mom asking for advice, begging for help. Please tell me what to do. I said, I've got a problem. I can't quit drinking. I drink too much, too often. I just needed to quit. And just like moms are supposed to do, She dropped her life, flew a thousand miles, and came to my rescue. Now, the next two years of my sobriety journey were pretty rough. I mean, I went the first 370 days without a single drink, which, I mean, that's freaking huge. But did you notice I didn't say the whole two years? Yeah, I slipped up. I got cocky. I thought to myself, it's been over a year. I'm good. I can have one beer. I'm fine. I did. Then I had another. While that should have been a sign, it wasn't. You see, my sobriety plan consisted of texting my mom once a week or so to tell her the number of days I'd been sober, reading Quitlet, and not leaving my house. That sounds like a plan, doesn't it? What do you think? You think that sounds like a solid plan? To rely on a parent? who didn't even drink alcohol until they were in their 20s, and then only occasionally, socially, and in respectable moderation. 
I think I've seen my mom tipsy once. It wasn't pretty. Now, I'm not knocking my mom. Fuck, she saved my goddamn life. But she wasn't equipped to handle all the bullshit lurking inside of me that was all about to come out over the next few years. My mom was a regular mom. She used to be a bus driver when I was little, a hairdresser. She worked for a major pet food corporation. She was not skilled in nor educated in addiction. So maybe that was my mistake, thinking she was all I needed. So anyways, back to not Googling things. I looked into rehab. But I was a single mom with only one out of two of my baby daddies in the picture. Inpatient rehab wasn't going to be an option. I mean, what was I supposed to do with my kids for six weeks? My ex-husband told me there's this thing called outpatient rehab, where you just go during the day, like when your kids are at school. So I googled that. <laughs> I found a place near downtown. Now, I'm not an expert in rehab. My knowledge, my knowledge is like as much as what people have tell me that have been there and what I've seen in the movies or on TV. So I pretty much know dick when it comes to rehab. And I'm pretty sure the shit they show on TV is inpatient, like for rich people or people that are somehow able to muster like 40k a month. I don't know. The place I went to was going to be quote-unquote free-ish based on state funding and insurance. Again, not an expert. Maybe they aren't all like this. But this place I went to gave me the heebie-jeebies. I didn't even finish the tour. I pretended I needed to pee and tiptoed my ass out the front door. I got in my car, lit a cigarette, and bawled my eyes out. It was like I realized in that moment I was going to have to do this the hard way. By my damn self. When I got home, Mom told me, better go to AA. You've got to go to a class. That's what she called it, a class. So again, I didn't Google how to get sober by not going to rehab or AA, but instead I typed in AA meetings near me. Pulled up a list. I basically eating, meeting, mining mode that list and went. If you're wondering if the meetings are just like they're portrayed in the movies, yes. Yes, they are. You see, these groups don't really have any funding other than what people donate in the meetings themselves. So they have to hold their meetings in the cheapest, aka free locations. This results in freezing cold metal folding chairs, shitty coffee, and day-old donuts in an old VFW or church. The meeting I went to was no exception. I pulled up to a random building that didn't really look like anything. It was one level building, no signs, no indication what it was for, like it didn't have an old business name on it or anything. I pulled in, found a parking space, and knew if I didn't immediately get my ass out of the car and start walking towards the front door, I wasn't going in. So out I went and towards the door I walked. I was greeted by a group of old timers outside chain smoking. They looked pretty rough, not too approachable, 
so I did not join them. Instead, I stood on the other side of the front of the building smoking a cigarette, since that's what it looked like everyone else was doing. I didn't want to appear like this was my first time. I guess I didn't want to get approached. I just kind of wanted to blend in and check the box that I went. So when everyone else started to file inside, I stubbed out my cigarette and followed. I didn't know if there were assigned seats, so I kind of waited by the back wall until most everyone was seated. There wasn't a single person that looked remotely close to my age. So I picked one of the old guys that looked like he had some pretty awesome stories to tell to sit next to you. For the next 45 minutes, I sat in the cold brown folding chair, listening as the group would recite what sounded like poems or something. Some people read from a piece of paper, and then one by one they went around the circle talking about how shitty their week was and how grateful they were still sober. As soon as I realized we were going in order, and I was like eighth in line, my heart started thumping and my palms got super sweaty. Uh, was I going to have to talk? What the fuck was I going to say? That today was my first day sober? I don't know these people. I don't want to say the wrong thing or offend anyone. So at this point, I've completely stopped listening to what everyone's saying. Some old guy mentions his dick boss, and then it's my turn. I must have put in putting out the this is my first time vibe, because as soon as the focus came to me and someone spoke up, saying, it's okay if I didn't want to talk. I can just say, I'm here to listen. So that's exactly what I did. Hi, I'm Molly, and I'm just here to listen. And then like magic, the rest of the group continued on. My heart began to slow a little bit, and I started paying attention to what the rest of the group was sharing. There was one guy towards the end that really caught my attention. He had to have been in his late 60s or 70s. He was 30 years sober. I'm going to let that sink in. 30 fucking years sober. I couldn't believe it. That was like my entire lifetime almost. Here I was on my second day of not drinking, wondering if I would actually make it to the weekend, and this guy had 30 years. He started saying how it was only possible through AA, and then he said something catchy that I noticed they had hanging on the wall. One day at a time. So this guy, for the last 30 years of his life, has, this, has just been going one day at a time? I'm thinking to myself, my God, is it? Does this mean that for the rest of my life, I have to literally think about staying sober every single day? Jesus. I felt the walls closing in. I felt like I had just embarked on the most impossible journey anyone will ever try to survive. Like, someone just flew me in a chopper and dropped me off the top of Mount Everest with no coat, no rope, no satellite phone to call mom. Just told me, good luck, and the nearest town was 20 clicks due east. Dead. That's what I was. For the first two days, it was literally all I could think about. I was depressed, bored. My mom was on my ass to get out of bed and help her do shit around the house, and all I wanted to do was slip out, go to the gas station, and buy a six-pack. And this guy's telling me this is what every day is going to be like, that if I don't come to one of these classes or meetings at least once a day, then I'll slip up and have to start all over again. 
Like, what the hell did I sign up for? Why, why did I let my drinking get so bad that I had to go to some meeting? I mean, how'd I even get here? My head was spinning. While I was surrounded by more than a hundred years of sobriety, I had never felt so alone, hopeless, with no clue what my next step was. So let's stop here for a minute. I'm curious, how many of you have been in my shoes? How many have felt hopeless? You felt like the mountain you have to climb is too steep. There's no bottom or top, whichever you prefer. You don't have a clue where to start. You call a friend, you go to a meeting, you just sit at home all day and sleep in hopes that you can make wake up and realize it's all been a dream. I mean, I've been to my fair share of AA meetings. There's always people in them, and there's always dozens of them available in every city, every single day. So I know I'm not alone. When I say I had no idea where to start, and AA was free, accessible, literally 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, in person or virtual. I didn't know what I was doing. But if AA saved this guy, then maybe it could save me too. This dude was rugged. He looked like he dominated some biker brawls. He had this kick-assery about him. It showed in his eyes. Like he'd weathered a lot of storms, internal and external. And yet here he was, standing tall, with three decades worth of victory over the bottle. This was just the path I took, because I didn't know any better. I'm not saying... AA is for everyone, or that it's not for anyone, or any of that. I only went for like three months. I got tired of the same sad stories being told over and over. But mostly I got tired of people telling me that if it was the only way to get sober, to stay sober, and that forever I would be powerless over alcohol. That didn't sit very well with me. But it was a start. That's where I started. So I just want you to know that not knowing where to start or what to do is totally normal. The fact that these meetings always have something, someone in them means all those people were just like me. And they thought, gotta go to AA. It's fine. But there are alternatives. And we'll get into that later, but right now, I just want you to know that not knowing what to do, not knowing how to do this thing, it's normal. And I'm going to tell you three ingredients to figuring out a path for yourself. But before I do that, there's a little more to the story that I want to share with you. So, about 20 meetings or so into my journey, I'm sitting in this meeting during the day, and this woman who looked to be close to my age, walks in. She seemed to know a couple other people, said hi to some older lady, and then sits down across from me in the circle of folding chairs. When it's her turn to speak, she says, I'm just here to listen. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I was kind of bummed because I wanted to hear her story. I like to observe people before I try to hold a conversation with them. 
uh, I kind of have a hard time approaching people, like cold calling. Now, this was the first person I had seen at one of these meetings that looked remotely like someone I might have a thing or two in common with. I was kind of tired of coming to those meetings and feeling left out and not connecting with anyone. So I decided before I left, I was going to at least say hi or something. So after everyone was finished sharing and the prayer was over, I grabbed my purse, stood up, but woman my age was already talking to someone else. I'm like, shit. Awkward me. I just stand there contemplating. Do I stand here and look like a dumbass because I'm not talking to anyone? Or, hey, I could pretend to want a cup of coffee, but then I risk a woman my age walking out the door. So I kind of freeze. Then 30-year sober man makes eye contact with me and gives me a little smile and starts walking towards me. Looking me straight in the eyes like, hey, I'm glad you're here. Now, I'm not trying to be a dick and ignore him completely, but I kind of had to keep my eye on a woman my age while somewhat engaging 30-year sober man. I remember telling him I was like 20-some days sober, but of course I told him the exact number of days because I kept track. That's what I thought everyone else did. I felt a little embarrassed telling him I had 20 days when he had decades, but it's whatever. Eventually, I got to talk to a woman my age. She turned out to be exactly what I needed at that exact moment. Serendipity. She was a mom of two boys, a little younger than mine. She had six months of sobriety. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she seemed interested in talking to me, so what the hell? She was nice, told me this wasn't her first go, that she had tried after her first kid to sober up but found herself drinking too much wine again. Anyways, I think she knew immediately that I had no fucking clue what I was doing. So she asked for my number and said she was going to send me some book titles that she thought were helpful. And so my healing journey began. So this was my unofficial, it just kind of happened plan, essentially, to begin with. After my mom flew home, I texted her, pretty much every day, but as time went on, it became every two or three days, and then eventually once a week. I read a bunch of Quitlet, which, for those of you that are new, Quitlet references books that talk about sobriety, living alcohol-free, sober curious, addiction, things like that. Anyways, I just read whatever I could get my hands on in general. If the book I was reading referenced another author or title, I wrote it down. And then I'd search through the library and see if I could find the book, author, topic, whatever, just digging in deeper. Like I said before, I went to AA for like three months or so. I don't really remember. But there was this one meeting where the women split out from the men, which wasn't uncommon. It's just this particular day. I felt called to lay it all out there. I bared my soul. My grief. My shame. All of it. It's like I opened this floodgate and was word-vomiting my story to a fairly packed room of strangers. Here I am, sobbing, on the verge of hyperventilating. I'm ugly crying, but it's feeling so good. Like I'm in the flow, I'm not even thinking about what's about to come out of my mouth. It just starts and won't stop. I'm talking about all the pain, 
the secrets, the dark shit I've been hiding for years. It's like all coming out. And then, like, a light starts to shine above my head, and I want to talk about how great I've felt the last few weeks without drinking. How I've found this passion in restoring old furniture. So, I'm not crying at this point, but it's still just flowing, and it feels good. Anyways, I had some experience fixing up garage sale finds or pieces I had found dumpster diving back in college. Over the years, I fixed up several pieces, but I wasn't serious or consistent about it. I realized this, fixing up furniture, was going to be great therapy for me. First of all, it was going to fill up a lot of my free time, and I was definitely desperate for that. Have you ever heard the saying, idle hands are the devil's playground? When you're getting sober, that saying can't be more accurate. Anyways, I was like, why not make some money doing this as well? So in this particular meeting, I was talking about how working with my hands and using my creativity was really helping and how I thought I might start a little side business and restore other people's furniture. <sighs> this one woman over in the corner, interrupts me, basically shits all over my idea. She's like, you're in the pink cloud. And said that I should basically stay in my lane and just forget about my idea. She said if I didn't, that if my business failed or didn't work out, then I'd find myself drinking again. Now, this wasn't the first time that I let someone else's opinion get the better of me this has happened to me many times in my life and I didn't give her a piece of my mind or anything like that I just kind of got real quiet and let the next person go but at that moment I realized that that lady's mindset it just wasn't for me. And I never went back. Alright, so you might be wondering, Molly, why are you telling me these things? What's your point? Well, it comes back to the purpose of this episode. I want to share with you what the beginning of my journey looked like. How it helped me, even though it's not ultimately what has kept me sober. But I wanted to show you how you can apply the general principles and ideas to your own sobriety. Some of you might be partaking in dry January for the first time, uh, depending upon what type of year, or sorry, time of year you're listening to this. Could be sober October or whatever. Let's say you're participating in some event like that. Maybe it's your first or second time. Maybe this time it's going to stick. Maybe you're like my dear friend who realized drinking in the evenings is causing her to be less present with her family and slows her down in the mornings the next day. Maybe you're coping with the loss of a loved one and have been for a long time. And the pain you carry around is becoming a burden. It's impacting your relationships and your general happiness. Or maybe you've been questioning your relationship to alcohol for a while now. 
and you try to moderate your drinking. But you end up just thinking more about drinking than when you were actually drinking. Whatever phase of this sobriety journey you're in, you could definitely benefit from understanding the basic principles or rather guardrails you can put up that are going to help you succeed. So let's jump into what those are. Number one, not having a plan is your plan. All right, Molly. Now you might, you might be really confused. Like WTF Molly, how is not having a plan, having a plan? Well, friends, when I went into my sobriety journey, I didn't have a plan. I wasn't following it, following a script. I didn't Google how to get sober, find an article, and then follow it step by step. I followed advice from someone I cared about deeply, and I trusted my gut. So you might be wondering, okay, so if I'm not going to Google how to get sober, how do I know what I'm supposed to do first? Well, that's where your intuition or gut comes in. You see, there's blogs you can read, books, podcasts you can listen to. You can talk to a licensed professional. You can talk to your, your doctor, your primary care physician. You can start with your spouse or partner or best friend or your mom. You can Google AA meetings near me. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is you get to create the path for yourself. Sometimes we just want to be told what to do. Now, the reason I don't think that's such a good idea is it might not fit for you. You might be told that you should enroll in a 90-day online course, or someone else might tell you to download this app, and Google may tell you to find a rehab facility. Not having a plan allows you to be open to new opportunities. Programs, people, books, podcasts, things you didn't even know were out there. All I'm saying is do not limit yourself to a specific regimen. Be flexible. When I realized AA wasn't for me, I stopped going. My plan pivoted. You don't have to feel like you have to do what everyone else does. All right, number two, tell your mom. For anyone that's listening that doesn't have a mom, first, I want to say I'm, I'm really sorry. Telling your mom just means you have to tell someone that's important to you. There's something magical that happens the moment you let the cat out of the bag. When you confess that your relationship to alcohol is not healthy. It's so fucking liberating. It's like you've been carrying around this 50-pound backpack, and all of a sudden, someone cuts the straps. You can finally stand upright. I talk about this all the time. Vulnerability, you guys. And if you listen to any of the top self-improvement slash education podcasts, you'll know that without vulnerability, you can't grow. If you can't admit the fault, or the wrongdoing, or character flaw to anyone, including yourself, you won't grow. And growth, change, they are the foundation in 
any sober journey, you got to expect change. One week after getting sober, you will be a different person. One month after getting sober, you will be even more different. One year after getting sober, you'll be so different. If you embrace getting vulnerable with yourself and with people you care for and trust, Brene Brown, one of the leading researchers in vulnerability, says, You can't get to courage without walking through vulnerability. I love that. Vulnerability is essentially the doorway to courage. And trust me, you're definitely going to need some courage on this sobriety journey. Finally, number three, there is no end to this journey. What? I'm just going to like wake up one day and realize that I don't have to worry about alcohol ever again. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we all die. There is an end, but I just mean on your sober journey, it's not like you ever quote unquote arrive. Remember a 30 year sober guy? From my meeting, he found his jam. Hey, hey, dude stuck with it. Whatever turns out to be your jam, stick with it until it's no longer your jam. Refer back to number one. Don't have a plan. Your jam can change. Mine has several times. I'm not restoring furniture anymore. I got to the point where I didn't really need something to fill all my time. Reading Quitlet was also my jam, and it still is from time to time. Like last year when Laura McCowan released her new book, I pre-ordered it and read it in one weekend. I still love Quitlet. I also recently read uh, Mommy Doesn't Drink Here Anymore. I was really going through some tough shit last year trying to iron out this belief I had about myself that I was a bad mom. Turns out, it stemmed from me listening to someone else's opinion about me. Talk about toxicity. Shit, I've been carrying that shit around for a few years. That book helped me remember so many of the good times I had with my kids. It helped me realize I wasn't alone when I was a young mother, struggling to navigate this new motherhood thing. Anyways, once you realize there's no end to this journey, you can sit back and start enjoying the process. Even the hard things. Like facing the old you, or clearing out your emotional closet. There might be a lot of crying, but you can still enjoy it. Because at the end of the day, you're growing, and growth is ultimately what we are here to do. You weren't born to remain the same. And on that note, I want to say thank you for listening. I hope you were able to find one little nugget in here. As always, I would love to hear from you. Email me with all of your questions. I promise I will do my best to respond and get those answered. If you don't already, hit like and follow the show so you know when the next episode comes out. Take care, breathe deeply, and be as you are.